Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. This is Atlanta 1 wrap-up. That's right, everybody. Uh, Atlanta 1. Uh, we got another one coming up this week, but for now, let's uh, recap the, all the action from the Georgia Dome. Um, I'm Steve Mathis, as usual. Hey, BTOsports.com, uh, the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your bike or body. You know the spiel by now. Proud sponsors of the BTO KTM team with Andrew Short, Justin Brayton, who should be back very soon. Much to Weege's delight. And uh, use the code PULPMX when you're checking out at btosports.com and save yourself big money. I just used it when I ordered some stuff for my new project bike, people. That's right. I saved some money on some plastic. Thanks to uh, btosports.com. And, of course, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer to see the full line of 2015 products, including the all-new V3 helmet, uh, highly updated award-winning Instinct boot, airspace goggle, 360 racewear, adult and kids Sizes and of course, uh, Foxhead Rocks and Dungey, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, foxhead.com. Like I said, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, a couple guys on the East Coast. Uh, one of them is a German supercross champion, and uh, he's also on the East Coast, like I said, uh, unlike usual. The Jason Thomas. Yep, I'm still in Atlanta, scene of the crime. You mean Atlanta, as in Chad's house? That's what we're calling Chad's house now? Atlanta? Uh, I guess so. Okay. Yeah, sure, why not? All right. Also on the line, uh, my boss, uh, we couldn't do this pod earlier because he had to watch the Daytona 500 so he can learn more about NASCAR, which one day he will leave us for that. The Jason Wygant. Yeah. NASCAR, bro. Yep, yep. Just, just, just prepping. I know you've been doing some hockey podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, hope you guys enjoy these podcasts while they last. You yeah. Like the uh, JT and our buddies Moser and Swiss Corps in a couple of years. <laughs> God help us, JT. <laughs> it's tough to get sponsors for a show like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, Moser, how, how was the race? Every question will be, what are you wearing? <laughs> short, look, short look good. Yeah. Riveting short look good, what are you wearing? <laughs> yeah, what are you wearing? Short look good. He starts every... <laughs> this is our buddy Moser who does the just short column on your website, Steve, which is usually with the rider that comes up just short of making the main, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. It's the, well, unless those people right. don't talk to him, then he, try to, he moves around a little bit. But he generally tries to get the fifth-place guy in both LCQs. And usually his questions start veering into a very uh, uh, unprofessional, uh, sexual, um, what-are-you-wearing mm-hmm. direction, mm-hmm. which leads to a real fear if Vicky Golden makes one of these night shows and ends up missing the main event by one spot because you're going to have a lawsuit on your hands. <laughs> He cannot ask a female these questions. Weege, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay? I'm going to leave it at that. We've, I said all I had to say. 
she will not be just short. So I think she was already just short. Her hands too. Uh, hey, was today the debut of Fox on NASCAR? No, no, they've had it for years. They've oh. got a few more. Wait. Uh, oh. Yeah, NBC replaced ESPN. So oh, that's it. Okay. Right See, now it's all normal. That's yeah. how out of date I am. So the second half of the season will be NBC. Yeah, and there used to be a little part in the middle that was on uh, TNT, but that's gone. But who oh. cares? This is a motocross show, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, trying to relate to you. Um. Atlanta, Georgia Dome, first of all, what's wrong with that dome? I can't believe they're building a new football stadium. I cannot believe it opened in 1992. That dome is fine. It's, per, it's got no, two levels you, of you suites. Don't I mean, it's, the, it's the economic structure, the way these teams work. You have to build new domes to increase value, to sell to corporate sponsorship. Bro. Uh, it's not, it's that, not just a dome is tired. Oh, it's fantastic it's just, job for the the owner of the Falcons. I'm not saying that. Good job by no, him. They, they do this to make money. I mean, this is a complete money move. These teams do this all the time. I understand. However, the public, the politicians, they're on the rope for 200-something million dollars for this new dome. For what? They need a new dome. Good job by Arthur Blank and the Falcons for Taking everybody hostage and get getting a new getting a new dome. <laughs> Falcons, the Millennium Falcons. Yeah, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Falcon tires. Atlanta Atlanta Falcons. What, what what's the matter? Is that really Falcon. what you call it? Falcons. <laughs> what what what's wrong? How do you guys say it? These are the tires well, that the RV has on a truck, right? Falcon those are Falcon tires. Falcon tires. This is Falcon. <laughs> These are the Falcons. All right. Well, whatever. Nothing wrong with that dome. It's ridiculous that people are paying for a new dome. Ridiculous. But anyways. Uh, the, only, the, reason, the only thing that, about you ranting and raving about that is it just makes me think you don't understand how this stuff works. I totally understand how it works. Okay, well, then you shouldn't be and, ranting and raving. And, and I, I love the fact that in the last 10 years, more and more politicians are not falling for the uh, we need public money for these domes so we can get even richer on a b- b- bajillion dollar business called the NFL. Bajillion dollar business, and they yeah, hold it's these. Not just an NFL stadium, though. Oh, okay. Oh, that's why it's happening. Yeah, though. yeah. It's the owner of the Falcons that is making this happen. Yeah, no. Uh, you think they're doing it for Monster Jam, JT? No, it's, no. It's... I, I'm just saying they do use it for other things, and it's. Of course need... they do. Now you sound like Arthur Blank. Oh, the I don't economic. Think I've done anything like the, 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 the economic he's impact. Eighty-five years old. He's not eighty-five years old. Um, the economic impact. We need a new dome. It's ridiculous, and I'm glad that now San Diego needs the stadium. I'm on board with that. Taxpayers, you need to buck up. That thing, what is the appropriate age for a dome? Uh, older than the older, older than the Georgia Dome. Whatever. The, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, twenty years old. Yeah, and what's wrong with it? Uh, like what? They basically start declining in value. It's it's a this is a move to make money. This is capitalism. Okay, I understand. Then pay for the stupid dome yourself. He's paying a majority of it. He is paying the majority of it. Yes, he's but... paying nine hundred million dollars. I think he's kind of doing. He, he's kind of oh, putting putting well, it out there. I don't have the figures in front of me, but someone told me the taxpayers were on the hook for two to three hundred million for the new place. Yeah, he's paying nine hundred million. Good. He should pay all of it. He should pay all of it. All right. Ah, jeez. It's ridiculous. Nothing wrong. Weege, what's wrong with that dome? No, dome's fine. 
there's none of the standard things that you can, uh, like, okay, <laughs> there are no amenities whatsoever in the concrete building that is Qualcomm Stadium. This place has clubs and suites and carpeted restaurant areas and a ridiculous amount of space, not only on the floor, but uh, inside the, the building. Uh, it connects to, well, the areas, and it's great. It's so great, in fact, that the next stadium is being built right next door in the same exact area. Um, it's fine. It's yeah, totally you guys realize that to avoid situations like Oakland and San Diego, you have to make moves like this. But it's not time. You can make, it, you can make this move in 20 years or 15 years. Exactly. Wow. See, then, then you're complaining about having a terrible stadium. Hold on. You could have said this about Qualcomm 15 years ago, that it was already outdated. I'm just happy that there are proactive people making decisions, and they are not you two. Uh, I think it's rich dude to like see the other rich football dude getting a stadium. Do, do you understand? Like, oh, I want one of those. Do you understand how much money these NFL owners have? Like, yes. Like they are by the fact that he put up nine hundred million dollars of his own money. They are I printing can start money. Getting the picture. Printing money. Uh, okay, the city has agreed to contribute two hundred million in bonds with additional tax revenues. The state is contributing forty million. Public spending is expected to reach near $600 million for this new dome. doesn't say what he's putting in, but it does say that the cost of the whole facility looks like it's going to be uh, $1 billion for this thing. It's just a joke. It's ridiculous. $600 million. And then, oh, too, and then, the, of course, the owner will be gouging all of the people who paid for the dome with the PSL, the personal seat licenses, which uh, you know costs about thirty, forty grand just for the right to buy these season tickets. So yeah, people, you pay for the dome, help us pay for it, and then what we're going to do instead of just charging you season tickets, we're going to sell you a license so we can get even richer. All right, enough of this. People came to listen talk about super. You know what's great about Canada? Socialism and all the things you're complaining about. No, they, they Winnipeg just built a brand new stadium because they needed it. The other one was built in 1950. And they, they, they splurged and built a new stadium because it needed it. Nothing okay, wrong with the well, Georgia Dome. All right, listen. Let's move on. BTOsports.com. RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. All right, JT, you're outnumbered two to one here. So That's okay. I have the American public behind me. <laughs> I don't – hey, listen, too. Atlanta, thriving city, doing very well. Good job, people, putting up that money. Up. So, uh, First of all, let's get to the track. Now you're taking shots at Atlanta? Yeah, I don't think the, I don't think the, the city is thriving. I don't think that's a, you know, a uh, Silicon Valley, let's say, of uh, of the East Coast. I think Atlanta's doing quite all right. Let's uh, let's talk it's about got, it got, it's got some of the. It's got, it's, I think it's per capita one of the highest Fortune 500 cities in America. Atlanta is where all of the Cleveland, Detroit, Rust Belt. Um, Cities that are on the decline. That is Atlanta now. That's where all those people and all those companies went. They're they're doing just fine. Were you surprised? Then I'd say, hey, we're we 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 are strong enough. You can't hold us hostage over a freaking NFL team. We'll be fine. So, hey, don't get and this same conversation is going to repeat itself when we hit St. Louis because that jackass oh, is also holding up the city for a new for a new stadium. That's the shadiest deal of all. He literally bought land in Los Angeles. How shady. These, these owners are just like, they're so ballsy. It's incredible. What, and they're printing money, and they're just like, yep, 
Yep, PSLs and new stadiums, bro. That's what we need. I mean, I think Jerry Jones, I think that thing's all his money. I'm not sure, though, but good job by Jerry. Uh, all right, hey, JT, um, how surprised were you when you showed up at the Georgia Dome, which is the beautiful Georgia Dome, uh, and the track was basically the same as Dallas? Georgia Dome's older than most of the people racing on Saturday, just in case you were wondering on that. Yeah, that's uh, the track? Do, do, yeah, it was, it was really close to like, Dallas, and, and we well, knew that going in. Yeah, though, but why but, do they why do they do that? What what's what's up with that? Is that do you see that often? Am I thinking uh, that that's weird? There were a lot of things that confused me. The fact that they built a split lane that didn't work. Uh, the fact that they changed the track in the middle of the racing at night. <laughs> uh, the fact that the track design was almost identical to the weekend before. The fact that the dirt was horrendous. And how, hey, how uh, bad is it going to be this weekend? Ooh. After it's been yeah, sitting there. It's, I don't know how much worse it can get, but it's not going to be good. Now, the split lane thing. Now, granted, I don't have the reactions of, say, Usain Bolt or somebody like that. But I was trying to time the split lane in practice, and I got them about being the same. And, of course, that's the, that's the goal. The guys want to get it the same. I got it. And I thought the the left side would be faster upon track walk because you would need the speed for the whoops coming off a double. Then I remembered that these four strokes are plenty fast enough to get speed from the inside. But anyways, now I was timing them, and I asked some riders after the race what the deal was, and it seems like like they're about the same, but just more guys went to the inside because they're going they're programmed to go to the inside, and then eventually the right side got so worn that now it was considerably faster. Is that kind of what well, the you... the whoops were smaller on the right to start with. From from track from the track build onwards, the whoops on the right were smaller, which makes a huge difference. Well, the guys I talked to said it was about the same early in practice, either side. But then they well, not... maybe early in yeah. practice, but nothing matters then. Right. But then for... But what my point was, was like, they're about the same, but then a bunch of dudes just went to the right for whatever reason, the inside... And then it ended up being a lot, a lot faster. But you want to talk about split lanes that not did not work, Wygant. I mean, good God. How many guys went up the left? Guys were almost washing out, grabbing the front brakes to get to the right side. Well, Yeah, and I did hear that. I asked Dungy, um, and he gave the exact same answer. It was like, by the time you even would have considered maybe going back to the left, at that point, the right side whoops have been worn down from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trips through them with everyone's all day. So, you know, if you're wearing what? If, if the top of the each whoop gets six inches lower by the end of the night, that's a massive difference in how fast you can go through them. Well, and you can see um, the groove by the end of the night. Like, yeah, what? he's like, they were cupped out and nasty, and the bike was kicking left to right, but it was still faster than going through fresh whoops that are bigger. You know, you just got to take your chances with them being cupped out. Um, you know what, though? Uh, this is just a split-lane situation. It just, it just can't work. It's just, unless, you know, Unless you were designing it, uh, unless the, the, the bikes were ro- ro- robotic machines on a computer, you could probably make a video game where the two lanes are identical. But you will never be able to make two different um, sections of jumps the exact same speed. And it has to be the exact same speed. These teams have ghost software programs. I think most people know what that is, right? It's like you're basically just laying two pieces of video over each other. If they can gain half a bike length in one section over the other, they will know it. And they will never voluntarily go in the section that is a half a bike length slower. So it just never happened. So it's the split lanes look cool. I understand what they're trying to do. It just can't be done. 
And the proof is, you ask me, you know, as far as split lanes go, this has to be one of the worst, right? Give me an example of one that's worked. Houston, just, Houston O2. It can't be. Houston O2. Okay, thank you. It was good. <laughs> but I think the problem... Part more was back in Houston O two. They just had flags in the middle between <laughs> splitting the lanes. But yeah, I don't well, remember actually, a split lane that know, race. That's a great point. I bet you, I, I bet you, one of the differences between O two and now is the level of sophistication in figuring out which section is faster. Come a long way. I don't um, think there was a split lane at Houston O two. Well, here we go. Oh, all right. Even better. Okay. Even better. Uh, I just, I there was a split lane. Um, what at Anaheim two? I think. And uh, no one took the inside lane. It actually kind of worked out good. You remember Tomac actually brought it back in the main event and yeah. made a few passes. Yeah. That's, so one guy tried it late in the main event and made a few passes. That's, I think, the best case scenario. I don't see how it can ever work. It just can't. And uh, I'll tell you what. the downside is, especially with the whoops, you basically split the track in half. It's one of the few places you can pass, and then you split it in half. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it well, causes a I want to I thank you guys off. for totally destroying my breakdown column, which will come out on Tuesday, which is already written, by the way. Mm, sorry. Um, w- what doesn't work was before the LCQ taking the double out of the left side. Like, what? Really? I asked some of the guys, and they said that they, they never really knew what was going on, and they, they saw that it was out there, that it was gone, but they didn't really... Like the guys in the LCQ, they were like, I didn't want to risk it. I didn't know what was going on out there. But that was ballsy, JT. Like, it's ridiculous is what like, it is. I, I, I mean, if you're going to do that, do it before the main events where, where you have a sight lap. You, you have to let them have a hot lap. <laughs> it's, you can't change the racetrack. Phenomenal. I, I just, ridiculous. I was shaking my head. Absolutely ridiculous. And But still nobody went. Still nobody went because um, the whoops were just so worn down on the right side. Yeah, I mean, it was an uh, realistically – why would you go out there? What, what what upside is there to go out there? Well, without the double there, I guess they're thinking you can, you know, pick up some speed and Yeah, but you have to go you have to go further. Okay, you land on the triple, you yep. have to go further outside, right? Yep. Then the whoops are bigger out there because no one's been going there. Then in the next turn, you're on the outside again. Yeah. So I mean, it's just right. it makes yeah. no sense. Look, Zero I mean, me. we've been saying it for a long time. I, I, they need fresh. I mean, there's been some good tracks this year. Don't get me wrong. And that, I like the Dragonback. If we're going to talk about negative stuff, let's talk positive a little bit. Dragonback thing was cool. Gave the guys a lot of trouble all night. A lot of the dudes. Um, but there's there needs to be a fresh look at these track designs. I've been saying you that cannot for years. Make, you cannot make a longer option unless it's faster. If it's going to be further distance, it has to be faster. It's not rocket science here. It, it was really frustrating to me because it just ruined all the racing. As far as if that would have been the complete lane and the whoops like were difficult like that, there would have been so much passing there. But I can't even tell you how many times I saw a rider go inside because they had to go inside and follow the other person. Yeah. Then you drop into a 10-foot-wide lane. They would get a run next to somebody, and then they would just have to let off because mm-hmm. they had no room. Yeah. Just have to let off because they'd run right in the back of them. Yeah. No, because you—I mean—you literally have five feet. It's yeah, five it, feet it was really frustrating to me to see something that poorly executed. There's, a, there isn't. It isn't possible to execute right. If they had, if they had said, okay, they, you've got to go further to go to the left, so we're going to 
reduce the size of the obstacles or something to make the speed up. All you're going to do is either get to the point where it's too much faster and then no one goes to the right, or it's still not quite faster enough to get to the left. The only ideal situation is to have two completely different lines that take the exact same <laughs> amount of speed, and I don't see how you could... You can't do build. that. There's no way to quantify you that. Can't. No, there isn't. You could build one million split lanes, and maybe one time you would actually luck out and they'd be the same. Remember when Pastrana designed the St. Louis track uh, a couple years ago? Yeah, 2009. And he had the crazy zigzags split lane across the start. And he wanted it to work so bad, it was like after every practice, every heat, he was going out there with the guys on the dozers trying to figure out. And I'm like, dude, you will never figure it out. Build that firm up a little more, now this lane becomes faster. You'll never get them identical. And honestly, if they're identical, well, then you're not going to pass anybody anyway, so what's the point of that? It just doesn't work. It's, it looks cool, seems cool, doesn't work in reality. Yeah, and I should have said it better. When I said executing something that poorly, I just meant the track in general. Just it, I just oh. felt like it was so, <laughs> such a terrible idea. I see. <laughs> you're not reserving that just for the split lane. Well, yeah, the split lane, but you're going to take the, the easiest place to pass on a motorcycle track is the whoops, I feel, in most times. Yeah. And then you're yeah. going to split it in half so there's no room? Yeah, great idea. Yeah. Yep. The only way I could say split lane working, but you don't have enough room in a supercross track. If you had, like, half the track split and it allowed someone, you know, if you're behind someone and you're faster and the only problem is they're just in your way, you could maybe make up enough time in the entire half of a lap of the track to clear the dude and get around him and you can't get blocked. But – no one's going to be fast enough to take a slower line down one straightaway only and completely go from behind a dude to in front of a dude by the time they meet back up. It just couldn't be done. Do you know what what um, that thing in Excite Bike that was a split lane? You rode up on top of the tabletop for a while. You went across the top of the screen, and the other dude went below. You know, that worked, but that's a lot of dirt. That's a lot of dirt. Out of dirt. And the danger of a guy falling on top, you just fall on top of the guy below you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, like, bad, but then it could be like those mushrooms in Super Mario where you like turn a different color because the guy hits you on top. You know. I think I think the guys designing some of this are on those. <laughs> right, right. Um, all right. Well, yeah, it was a disaster. That dragon back though, that double dragon back uphill downhill, that was cool. I feel like no one got it perfect every yeah. time. It, it was. Neat. No, it it, it 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 on the positive side that thing challenged some dudes, no doubt about it. But yeah. that was about it. And the, to change the track before the LCQs, I, I for the fourth the LCQ, I was just mind blown, mind blown. I mean, it's not the worst time. To- really? What? Were you really? I couldn't believe it. Were you? What? I think there's a difference between angered and surprised. Were you actually surprised, or did you just think I it was bad? I was surprised. I, I couldn't believe they were doing that. Surprised. I couldn't believe they were doing that. I, I, if they had done it before the main events and told everyone, say, hey, on the hot lap, check this out, we did this, I have no problem. You can't do that and then just send guys out there. Yeah, I, I fully believe that, that that was incredibly just foolish and a poor decision. You're really, fi- you're really fired up tonight, JT. It's, that's really stupid. It's uh-huh. just stupid. Uh, you would think you'd be happier after, you know, what happened in the main event, but you're fired. No, up. no, I'm not. It's not like it doesn't change my life at all. I just, right. I hate when people make stupid decisions like that. That was just really, really bad decision. Bad timing, bad decision. Well, let's get to the race. I think we all agree on that. Uh, let's get to the race. Well, 
He did it. You can't. He's the vampire of Supercross, as I tweeted out. You can't kill him. Chad Reed. Uh, hey, he got a start. And, JT, you wrote this column um, last week or the week before about these starts. And, I mean, look, it, it, Chad's been off the pace all year long. He hasn't had the magic that we've seen so many times. But he got a start. He got one in the heat, too. But this time he got a start. And, uh, man, he rode great. And he was quadding that thing after the whoops. And, um, you know, Dunge caught him a little bit at the end. But congratulations, JT. you got to be pretty happy. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, I don't know if congratulations for me are in order. I didn't do anything. Nah, but, you, you, uh, I, I mean, it was good. It was good. I think it was good to see for the. It was good for the sport. Uh, unless you just hate Chad Reed, I think everybody could appreciate, you know, that it was a, mm-hmm. a great ride. And you know, he's not in the championship hunt or anything. So, I think it was kind of a feel good moment for a lot of a lot of people and and casual fans anyway. Uh, but it certainly kind of drives home the start. <laughs> this yeah, situation. That's, that's what I was getting at. Your column a couple yeah. weeks ago. Like, I mean, it's cr- it's crazy. Um, it's pretty surprising that he still won, though, no doubt. But man, uh, there's like three, four guys quadding that thing, and we'll get to that. Um, um, we'll get to that because that's where Roxon crashed a little bit uh, in a little bit. But Weija, this was a, this was a nice win. And, and look, no one's won two races in a row this year. We have five different winners now. It's shaping up to be a pretty good series. Yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of everything you were hoping it was going to be with, with Villopoto out and thinking to be a little more wide open than usual. Um, any, anytime Chad Reed wins, I think people get pumped up. I know there's a little more controversy going right now because the black flag thing, some people are on his side, some people are not. Um, so that maybe prevents it from being a 100% approval rating like it was when he won the two races last year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I think there was a little more excitement then because you're like, holy crap, he's right in this title chase, too. Now that's kind of out. But, I mean, come on, man. This is just its just amazing that he keeps doing this. What I'm trying to figure out now is it's with each time he does it, coming back from the dead again and even older and even more counted out, and it, seemingly <laughs> the odds are even longer, is it more surprising? Or the fact that he's done it so many times, at this point, should we just never be surprised? Will we, will we get to a point where... Anything Chad Reed does or says is just, yep, Chad Reed, what, do you, what can you say? Can we get to that point? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, he was definitely feeling it. Um, he, he didn't. He had his usual so-so practice. He was good in the very first one. That doesn't count. Then the second one, he wasn't so good. At the, before the third one, I looked over at his truck, and they had everything off of that bike. It looked like uh, major changes going on, which, of course, I think he puts those guys through major changes every week. But um, he, he came out for the third practice, and he really wasn't any better. And uh, But something happened. Something clicked, starts, and then that was it. You know, kind of, I hate to say, like, he was feeling it, but got the start and, you know. Well, he, I think he capitalized on the, the circumstances because, and this had nothing to do with what he can control. He just did what he needed to do. But he got the start, which was huge. And then uh, Phil and Weston were second and third. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he put in some great laps on the first maybe four laps. And by the time Dungey got to second, he had a, maybe like a four-second lead. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, sure, Dungey could have, could have eaten that up at any time. And, and that's not a, the reason he won. But I felt like that was key for him to get that gap. Because he, man- he could manage that and he could see where Dungey was. And if, you know, if he lost time, he could 
push really hard for a lap or two and try to get the gap back. Mm-hmm. But he never had any real pressure, which I think was, was a, you know, really good for him and, and his kind of psyche to be able to ride his own race and not worry about anybody behind him. Like, he could pick any line he wanted to. He never had to ride defensive. Uh, and I think it just allowed him to keep his mind at ease a little bit because he really hasn't been up there battling for a win so much this year other than maybe Oakland. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, the, the crash by Roxon and Tomac and, and all those other things, Kennard get a bad start. None of that stuff he can control. So it's not like he got lucky or anything like that. I just think that he got circumstances that were favorable for him and he kind of made the most of it. Yeah, I was yeah, he stretched out the well. He tripled the first lap, and the other guys behind him didn't, and that helped him get get the lead. And then he quadded that thing after the whoops, and that helped him a lot too. Nobody else was doing it behind him, and of course, Weston and Puck are great riders, but yeah, they they weren't you know on his sprint speed right away. So yeah, he just he just got that little gap, and I feel like that was really really important, you know, to let him kind of yeah. do his own thing. Man, I think those circumstances are where you really see where experience comes into play. Because how many times do you see, say, in the 250 class where a rider, um, you know, who hasn't won before, hasn't run much, gets that opportunity. We saw it with Nelson at one of the Anaheims earlier this year, and they, they end up throwing it away. It's almost like when they're in the lead, it's so almost unfamiliar to them, it causes problems. I think it's wow. the opposite of a guy like Reed, and even Kevin Windham, I think, in his latter years. When they get there, they've been in that situation enough where it helps them more than hurts them. Like, you've Reed's such an opportunist. I'm sure, hey, even him, as stubborn as he is, maybe even his confidence might have been down just the slightest bit. But I'm sure after five laps, he's got a four-second lead. He's probably thinking, okay, it's back. I know how to do this. I'm going to do this. There's no way Dungeon's going to catch me. I'm going to make this happen because I've done it before. I'll do it again. I think that's, as I've compared Chad before, he's no longer the, the pitcher that just throws 100 miles an hour and he can't hit it. He just knows how to get you out. He just knows how to win races if he's put in that position and he's comfortable there where a younger guy might completely freak out. Hey, and like we said, he he's out of the title hunt. But if there's one dude that you do not – well, you don't want to look him in the eye, for one. Um, and <laughs> if there's one dude that like can, is mentally strong and can use this to convince himself that he can now win again, like this this could be it. Like we, I would not be surprised to see him rattle off – a couple more wins before this thing's over, out of the last. Uh, same, thing last year. same thing happened last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's funny, by the way, how, how quickly it changes. And I know we all know to never, ever, ever count out Chad Reed, but I mean, this thing changes so quickly week to week. I mean, it was only what three or four weeks ago that this was Roxon's world, or before that, I wrote about is it already Ken and Eli have they already taken over and. Now it's all about Dunge, but now Dunge is doing so well. We're hearing people say, "Oh, Dunge is only doing well because Villapoto's not there, or whatever." It just changes so rapidly the mm-hmm. the buzz and the scuttlebutt. I heard like coincidentally like three or four re- things about Reed that were just like, "Well, he's getting desperate, or he's doing these things because he's trying to get an edge, or you can tell he's doesn't have it anymore." Like, and I think some of those things were legit, even. But it's amazing how quickly it can change, especially with this guy. How he can just take all the momentum that seems well, to be going one direction. There's this undercurrent. There's this undercurrent thing of Chad's few tweets about lawyers and this black flag, and now this sort of battle with Tomac going on. And the AMA apparently tried to have a meeting with Chad. Did not go no. well. It did not go no. well. And no. like 
so there's this kind of like he's like maybe me versus the world attitude going on a little yeah, bit oh, in over there. An angry old man just mad at the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Get off he's my lawn. Right. Yeah. You know, so um yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens and you know, and I I still think Eli's got one coming. <laughs> so um you know, so who knows, maybe Jack could find himself even more wrapped into this thing than than who than we ever thought. So Hey, do you Well, it's just a, one more example. I know we've been going on forever read, but it's like Okay, when Reed got black flagged and lost points, you know, he even said right then, he's like, that's pretty much cost me the title. And the amount of people that I heard react to that and say, like he was even in it. And I'm like, I know he's only been getting six and mm-hmm. ninths, and, but just don't, just don't ever go there. Don't ever go there. Because he pulls this off, and you're like, wait, he, he was almost as fast as Dungey tonight, Dungey's the points leader. It was... At no point can you ever say that it was totally unrealistic at the third race of the year for Chad to think that. Well, and one of the things that Chad had been telling, JT, I'm sure he told you, I know he told me, not like anything official, just shooting the shit. He's like, my lap times are almost as good as the leaders. I'm right there. Like, that's what he would tell himself. I just haven't got the start. And you're like, well, oh. Well, and, and at times know. that was true. Yeah, at times it, it wasn't. Was. At yeah. times it was. Yeah. 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 No, it was. You know, certain races or whatever. So, and we all we all talk about Chad over the years. That dude can get beat 99 times, and on the 100th race, he'll still be like, I got this. So, you know. I think the, I think the, the biggest thing with Reed, as, as he's gotten older, I just think it's tougher for him to overcome any kind of uncomfortability where the younger guys don't seem to be as phased by it. Mm-hmm. And I think Chad was, you know, Chad was that guy 10 years ago. Um, if the track's not perfect or the bike setup's just not ideal or it's not going his way, he would still find a way to rise above all that and be right at the front. Where now it just seems like things have to be a little bit better for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think as with age you get pickier um, and you just need things to be kind of your way a little bit more. And I don't really even know how to define that. I just it's just a feeling I get. You know, if everything's aligned for him. He can go as fast as anybody on the planet, but it's just it's tougher for him to find that every single Saturday right now. If Stu's racing, does he quad after the finish line? Somebody, if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be him. Yeah. And I said also maybe Brayton would would jump something like that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, neither of those guys were there. It, it was doable. It was <laughs> the biggest thing that stopped anybody from even trying was when they changed the the exit jump yeah, out of that bur- turn. The berm, yeah. The berm and jump. nobody even had a chance. Right. So it would have been interesting to see. It was stewable. Stewable. I, I talked stewable. to Chad about it uh, after practice, and I'm like, "You got to jump that thing, you know." Like, and maybe I threw some expletives in there about him being old and washed up and and things like that, which made me look really dumb later. But uh, he was under the impression that yes, it was certainly possible that a, a 450 would make it, but he wasn't mm-hmm. going to be the guy to do it. <laughs> so, you know, the the fact that it could make it, sure. It's just, is anybody willing to go for it? And obviously nobody was, and then they changed the track anyway. Uh, I spoke to Burner after the race. I, I didn't get a chance to talk to Chad. Uh, I talked spoke to Burner, and I was like, hey, like, I, obviously, um, you know, you guys have video and you know what's going on, but I'm like, that Dragonback was killing him in the heat race. And that's one yep. of the things I sent a text to him. I'm like, dude, you got to figure this Dragonback out. I'm sure you already know this, but you're losing so much time there to Trey. And yep. Burner said they absolutely, they knew that, so... You know, my advice was not needed, shockingly. And uh, 
they knew that, and it turned out that they had, when they had fixed it for the night show, Chad was jumping too far into the dragon back, and it was popping him up because it was all fresh and square, kind of. And, right. and he said he needed to, he slowed down, jumped one whoop less, and stayed lower and jumped across the gap. And yeah, uh, it was know, basically so. the one he would land on. It was too big. Like the yeah. gap he was jumping into would be too big. Like the one before that yeah. would be smaller, and then he could carry speed. But classic case of slowing down to go faster. You know what I mean? And yeah, they it's that tough and though. Like, and I, you know, I was in this boat for a long time, and I don't even know that many spectators know this, but after track walk, which is our track walks at ten thirty. After that, we don't get to see the track anymore unless you're doing, you know, you're going wide open race speed. So it's really hard to see other lines, what they've changed. Um, yeah. If you're the line you're not in, it's hard to even know what it looks like because we don't get to see it. We mm-hmm. don't get to look at the track or walk it or do anything. So it's a guessing game, especially in the heat race, as to how the faces are. You know, did they mm-hmm. lift this up? Did they change that? Did they knock a double down? Uh, <laughs> so it's tough did they add a shark jump a shark tank jump things like that <laughs> um osterman's been pulling for that weege i'm very surprised at roxon's errors that we've seen now oakland the quad in practice that he just about died on twice then throwing it away in the whoops in the main event like i'm shocked yeah yeah um i know that he's He's a younger guy, and it's only his second year in the class. And some guys in that situation have trouble, but he's not not rock. No, he's not a balls out dude. He's not a balls out guy like that. You know? No, consistency has never been his uh, problem. He's had other issues, you know, where he and these are it's not relative. He's pretty much been really good and a title contender in any series he's in. But any of the few things nitpicks you can have, or maybe it was fitness, or late in the year getting tired, but crasher. Right. Oh man, I'm I'm surprised. Even last year. He had one real bad race. Wouldn't he crash out of that rutted ass race in uh, Indy? Yeah. But for a rookie, damn, he was solid. Um, this is actually a, few, a step back from last year. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Alden Baker, yep. sound the alarm. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's very weird to see Kenny do this, and he he almost. I mean, that, that practice crash that could have been lights out. You know, it almost was. But both of them. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and honestly, even <clears throat> Oakland. I mean, the fact all three of those crashes—he's on borrowed time now. He could have been seriously hurt mm-hmm. all three times. Yeah, he's pretty lucky. I mean, I know you guys said as soon as you saw Oakland, you thought he was done for the year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. When he was laying on the side of the track, not moving, grabbing his wrist, I'm like, oh, that's it. Um, yeah. Hey, and Tomac. Tomac reminds me of one of those guys. It's not working out for him, so he's just going to try harder and turn the throttle harder. And it's it's not working out again. He hit hard. Did you guys see it? Did you watch the race today? I, I did. I wasn't able up. to know. Oh, he hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched a a, re- a replay of it. Yeah. Um, online, but I yeah, didn't have to watch the race. Yeah. Um, looks like you just got too much front brake right there, right, JT? Yeah. I mean, it. The track was literally like ice in some sections, uh, especially by the time the night show rolled around, and and that start straightaway was one of them. So yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a difficult track to make a mistake like that on. If you got a little aggressive, got a little you know too amped up, uh, that mm-hmm. can certainly happen. And when I saw his bike and saw him, I knew exactly what had happened before I even saw it. I just knew the only way to go down there is just to push too hard, and then the front just immediately goes away. Mm. Tire pressure, so, French, just weird French for French. yeah, 
<laughs> uh, unfortunately, it was the front, not the rear. But um, no, no, he's been going on about the fronts too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's going on about lots of things. But uh, <sighs> that's just so atypical for Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, man, I hate to see that because Atlanta's got some of the best dirt, and everyone looks forward to it. And you walk out for track walking, and you're just bummed out. Yeah, it's been that way. I, we 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 talked we talked about this on the uh, Fly Race and Moto Sixty show. I the last couple years, it's been like this. It's been yeah. It's, I, it's, the, I was trying to remember. Um, I mean, I'm 2012 definitely wasn't. Twelve was ruddy and soft. Okay, yeah. Um, but something's but I, happened. I had you know? a, yeah, I had a little bit of a harder time proof. remembering some of the others. I have proof. Uh, Justin Bogle told me he's like, yeah, I don't know why everybody thinks the dirt here is so good, just because it's red. The dirt here is always like this. And I'm thinking, aha, see? The younger guys, if you've only raced it, what is Bogle probably raced it, three years or something? Right. That's all they know. He's like, why does everybody think Atlanta's tacky? It's never tacky. And I'm like, well, it wasn't 1996. Like, you uh, even even later than that, like even 2006, 2007. I mean, 2007, I don't know if you guys remember, but that was the year that Stu was jumping that crazy balls jump out of the first turn. Um, over the tabletop, and Ricky wouldn't do it, and yeah. Ricky basically or James basically won. Then 2008, it was just rut fest in 2008. Millsaps so, won. Millsaps won. Rut fest. Yeah, Millsaps won. Chad yeah. crashed trying to jump the wall. Uh, I, I mean 2009 as well. Uh, I just come back from a leg injury. I mean, there all those years. 2012 even was was soft and ruddy. It was my last time racing Atlanta. I remember it very well. So it wasn't <clears> just 15 years ago that it was soft. It's just you know, there have been years like that where it was like, you know, it was just hard. 2005, I can remember the track, and it was the first time that I ever was like, what the heck happened to Atlanta? It was just like it was this weekend, hard, dusty, dry. And I don't know the difference. I don't, I don't understand or I'm not <clears throat> privy to, you know, the, story, the storage details of the dirt. But it definitely has a propensity to be like that, and I think it, I think it hurts the racing. I don't, I don't know of anyone who would have said they enjoyed that dirt or, or that track. Uh, how about Weston Pike? Hey, for real, give him well, he, fifth this weekend, ran second for a while. Uh, if Barsha comes back, Pike may be beating Barsha. Seriously. This guy's, yeah. this guy's gnarly. I mean, I don't I mean, say Pike, that. Barsha's gotten fifth, better than fifth, what, once? I think so. He got fourth. He got one fourth, yeah. Yeah, so not not a stretch. Unbelievable, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I, mean, I was crazy. thinking about it. Just, I was thinking about, we, we need to do almost a chart of the various stages of Weston Pike's career. Like, I remember uh, there was a time when Pike was getting known for when he was in a battle for, like, 16th and the blue flags would come out, and the guy in front of him would pull over, he would pass you, <laughs> and then they had to start addressing it in the riders' meeting. Don't do this. And everyone knew they were talking about Pike. And then I remember asking Pike about it, and he's like, yeah, dude, if I could pass two guys like that, I'm going to do it. I don't care. <laughs> right. Like, Right. This is what, okay, there were times before that he probably wasn't even making mains, right? Then he's the, you're the guys that are in the way and the leaders battling for 16th guy. He has gained an entire lap of speed now. I was thinking, about, the, I was thinking about this on my mountain bike ride today. And the only guy I can think of, and I wasn't around that in this era, but you know, I was certainly watching on TV and I've, I've read about it, talked about it. The only guy I can think of, that has done something like Weston is Stanton. When Stanton turned pro, I mean, he was on a kind of a crappy Yamaha. He was known for 500s. He he was a 
10th to 15th place guy in the main events. Kind of got better. You know, was number national number eight. Got a little better in Supercross. Sort of started climbing up and then became Supercross champion. Now, I'm not saying Supercross championship is in Pike's cards here. But that's a guy I can think of that was like the last guy I can think of where you don't just come in and you don't show it right away. Weston did not show it right away. And now he is very fast. And, I mean, am I missing somebody? Am I thinking? The- I can't think of anyone like it. Or another great way to illustrate, this is, this is if Ronnie Stewart is battling for podiums, what, four years from now? Like that. <laughs> Thank, yeah, exactly. He was in with those yeah. guys. Right. Those were his years. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He was on Motor Concepts Honda. He was on Rock River. He was on Star for a couple of weekends. And he was on a privateer Cowie. Like, I mean, you're exactly- going to say Brayton is in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think Brayton's path is certainly weird. Um, so maybe that's fair to say. Yeah, but you're right, We just That's a good analogy. So, folks, Ronnie Stewart will be getting fifth place in four years. And no slam on Ronnie Stewart. He's a great rider. I'm just, you're exactly right. This is what it, those are his dudes. Those are his lanes. And now. He was in there. Now, okay. now he is. I mean, God. And, I mean, you know, he, he said his fitness wasn't that great. And he's hoping to get better as it goes on, you know. He's got a fifth, so. At the beginning of that main event, he was catching Chad. He was. Did you see? And I'm like, if he, if Chad has this chance to win, and Pike passes him and wins, Chad will never get over this. I I tweeted, it's Reed Nicoletti and Pike, and when when have you ever heard that before? <laughs> um, did you? What about what about Wesson's pass in a uh, Phil? Just pull a wheelie. In the whoops and wheelie by him in the whoops, the five foot wide lane that we talked about, how nobody could pass. Yeah, yeah, that's where Weston's going to pass you. Yeah, that was incredible. That was a great, great. Oh move. man. Uh, hey, Trey Kennard, um got a bad start. You know, JT. Off of them. What's that? Go ahead. So I was going to say, Pike is now barely not as fast as the very fastest guys. Like <laughs> right. almost no difference whatsoever. How about like I'm talking to Coy in the off season and I'm like Pike. How's that? He's like, I don't care. I'm like, what are you talking about? I got my guy. I got my guy. Yamaha wanted Pike. I, I wanted Han. They were talking to, well, Brayton had a chance. Was there, am I missing somebody? Was there another third guy? I thought there was a, a tickle? Maybe a third. Tickle, yeah, I thought. And, and, and basically, Coy was like, and I don't think this is a slam, but Coy was like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Second guy. Whatever. You know, whatever, whatever it takes to make you guys happy. Everybody, you know? And now he's got a guy that we all think could potentially be beating Barsha when he comes back. So, pretty pretty gnarly. Um, yeah. Canard uh, um, is about the only guy, JT, that that makes your article uh, look a little bit uh, wrong because he's about the only guy to come through the pack at three races now. This is three or four races anyways. This is one of them. Um, I thought he was going to catch Dunge. He was on it. Fastest lap of the night. And did you guys think he was going to get Dungey at any point? I kind of did. He kind of he kind of ran out of steam, like I don't know, five laps left or whatever. But he was coming, man. And then he got back on him at the very end. Like Dungey's last couple laps weren't great. Yeah, I think maybe the last lap he knew he wasn't going to get Chad. And then all of a sudden I look, I'm like, dude, Trey's only like twenty feet behind him again. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think that uh, Dungey was just managing that, but maybe not. But yeah, it was he was fast. Do you guys see Trey after the race? Did either of you guys see him after the race? No, I didn't. He's got a pocket watch. He's got like a hipster jean jacket. 
he's wearing like one of those hats out of like that Sherlock Holmes used to wear. He Instagrammed himself what? the other day. Like this, the, he's just—he's a stylish dude now. Usually, you, you must be Timmy. Usually, you think of uh, you think of you know you look at Albertsons. And you're like, there, there's Oklahoma. There's 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 how <laughs> he should dress. I'm telling you what, he looks stylish. I'm not, you know, I'm not on the tip of the fashion spear, as we all know. But uh, pocket watch. Who carries a pocket watch nowadays? I do. It's called an iPhone. <laughs> right, right. He's got a pocket watch with a little chain on it and everything. Yeah, I feel like uh, when you get married, I feel like when you get married, sometimes your wife buys clothes for you and says, here, wear this. Yeah. <laughs> Could be wrong. I feel yeah. like that happens, though. I've right. seen it happen. Weege, Weege uh, gives his wife a piece of cardboard to tow their child around on <laughs> in the park. <laughs> you gotta make you got to make Trey Kennard money. Um, yeah. Maybe that changes how, yeah. how you take the wife's advice. Uh, hey, we got to move on. We're 48 minutes in. We've discussed Georgia State taxpayers, domes, Chad Reed, and that's about it. Um, what else in the 450s stuck out? Millsaps looked okay. Uh, did he just fade or did he go down? Uh, I don't think he crashed the main, but he was um, super jacked up from his crash in, uh, in the practice. Which first. I did not see the practice crash. Either one of you see it? I did. I just saw him sitting on the hay bale. I watched it. Uh, yeah, I, I watched the whole thing. Uh, he was on the left side, mm-hmm. which was shocking. <laughs> right. Uh, which maybe uh, proved our point that you shouldn't ever go outside. But he came out of the whoops and then was basically jumping into that berm. Uh, there was a little weird ledge in that jump on the outside, and uh, it had like a little knuckle in it. And it was basically like your fork would compress, then un- then unload, then jump. Basically, it's just a little bit strange. It's hard to describe without seeing it. But when he hit that, it kind of unweighted, and he went sideways, mm-hmm. and he kind of landed in the berm sideways. And it just immediately threw him to the ground. Sent him yeah, high side. Right. And he didn't really slap down as hard as it could have been. It could have been so much worse. But still, he kind of landed on his feet and legs a little bit. Instead, you know, like it, it just mm-hmm. for his injuries. And I think the worst possible thing for him to do is land on his feet or on his legs in any way. And that's right. kind of what he did. So uh, I feel he like kind of laid there for a while. I feel like Elizabeth Hurley, dressed in a devil's costume, came to him. After he signed with Cowie and said, he said, look, I just want to win the Monster Cup and you can have my soul in the term of, <laughs> terms of crashes or something. Because the guy wins, I mean, look, he, he, he's been off the pace. He's been sick. We've talked about that a lot. But, like, he just, he cannot get going here. He's got speed. He was on the board oh, yeah. in the third practice, yeah. right? Um, yeah, he was third, I believe. He, you know, he, he cannot get going, Wygant. Like, no matter what, he is hitting the deck. I think he did make that deal, but not before Monster Cup. He made it before 2013. No, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean it, he cashed all the chips in. I actually saw him. Uh, I was going to my car after the race in the parking garage, and I see this guy moving so slowly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's some, some old fan or somebody. He's got a Cowie jacket on. I mean, he was moving at one quarter of a mile an hour. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, oh, crap, it's Millsaps. Like, his back would not move. Like, he was so stiff. Yeah. And we all know that Davey is not one when he's hurt. He will not downplay it. So take it with a grain of salt. He, he's, he'll glad, he, he will tell you. Yeah. Once he's public 
how bad it is. He said that his back hurt worse than it's ever hurt in his life. Obviously, I'm sure he's hurt his back before. Everybody has at that level. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely hurting. Um, and also, too, yeah, he sat out the third practice. You know, it was a good enough crash that he didn't even ride the third practice. So I felt like in the heat race, he crashed on the start of the heat race. Yeah. And, and when I watched him get up, he was just standing there like, really? <laughs> right. Again? Right. Just really? Yeah. I'm going to have a, another massive crash here. The transfer of crashing is passed from Grant to Millsaps. We need to trace this back. This Maybe they hit each other at some point because, you know, Grant heavily crashed the first three, four rounds. And now it is Millsap's turn. So... Um, yeah, he, he needs a break. Yeah, yeah, it's not going well right now, no doubt. Mm, yeah, Nicoletti lost the top ten in the closing laps again. I like to give him shit about that, but yeah, good, good job by Phil. He's been riding really well, getting in and out of the heat races. Right, three His starts are just incredible. Yeah, that bike, that that bike's no joke either. That bike's fast. You look at both Weston and he and whoever rides it, and they just start. I mean, their starts are just there. Why can't you Braden, call? That Barsha, his starts have been were sucky. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. But on the Honda, Barsha could do no wrong. I, Trey said he's been struggling with the starts, and I said, you know what you need to do? I said, you just put the hydraulic clutch back on. And he went, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, that's, that's, you know, that was the reason why I was getting bad starts before. I'm like, I know, but you guys are weirdos. Put it back on. He's like, I think Dan Bentley would kill me if I said, hey, let's try the hydraulic clutch. Well, that was a huge ordeal. Yeah, no, I know. what I heard. Yeah. Hey, Weege, uh, you called Zach Freeberg in the main. I did not, and uh, good job by that. So, Zach Freeberg. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, that guy's always been pretty fast, you know, even in the in the 250 class. And he's taller. He just looked, looked good right from the very get-go. He, he, crashed, good, so. he crashed almost every time he was on the track until that race he qualified. I, yeah, I was worried. The first untimed practice, he was pretty good, and then there were a lot of problems after that. Yeah, uh, which I think has been kind of his deal for a long time. He's dealt with some injuries, but I can't, whatever. I can't believe uh, the, I, all you're doing is crossing your fingers on those guys. I can't believe the milestone assassin didn't get in. Damn. Um, yeah. And did you guys yeah, see he, the? He, the did you guys see the Instagram video from the Falcons player with Tapia and Partridge? I didn't understand the word you said, but I did see a video. What do you mean, Falcon? Oh, here we go. How do you say it? Falcon. Falcon. Atlanta Falcon. There you go. Falcon. 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 <laughs> All right. This is going to go I like. I did see it. This is going to be like the rune. You know, you ruined it. Oh, absolutely. I was told that Nick Schmidt was uh, nearly arrested, possibly arrested. When? Uh, after, the race, after the race. What for? Uh, security guard incident. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that it escalated from there, let's just say. Right, right. Shades of Hanny, Toronto, a few few years back. Yeah, it wasn't good. There were police involved. Uh, bad scene. Um, probably probably what tried to happen. Let's, let's guess here. He was r- pissed, riding his bike at fourth gear wide open. They tell him to turn it off. He just keeps going. Maybe runs somebody down. You know, they close hang him. Yeah, whatever. I get, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. That happens year in and year out, right? Um. Uh, what else? Anything else in the 450 main event? You know, he's become the quietest guy in the in the entire class right now. Is Anderson. He's not terrible. He's not lighting it up. He's just somewhere in the void. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how to classify it. 
Sealy had a good race. Also, speaking of what's kind of that deal, those guys. So, but Sealy's had a few um, shiny moments, yeah. even here week to week, and then also bad stuff. Anderson is just neither. He's basically gets between sixth and eighth. Mm-hmm. Not not bad, certainly not. Anderson's but, first uh, Anderson's first yeah. lap was not good. He recovered from there, but he dropped a lot of spots in that first lap. Like he was third or fourth, and guys were blown by him. And then he kind of recovered. So that triple uh, JT, it was, <laughs> we can just rewind the tape from last week's podcast. It was the same triple in the same spot. What makes that triple so bad? And especially with Darnley on the first lap. Is it the ninety degree before it? What's the deal? Um. Yeah, I just think uh, you're to- we're talking about the one before the whoops. Yeah, the one on the end. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think that one was they could jump this week or last week because they transferred the same jump. They put the jump on a semi truck and brought <laughs> it to the stadium again. Yeah, I, I thought the one last week was much much tougher than this one. I didn't see too many guys having just crazy issues. I mean, obviously there were a couple, but nothing like it, Dallas. I mean, Dallas was just a a mess. Yeah, it seemed better. Washington two fifty guys, anyways. Yeah, it wasn't as bad. I yeah. think a lot of the guys came up short. Not so much that they couldn't make it, but they were trying to downside that triple perfectly to set up for the inside of the turn. So basically, ah. you wanted to get, you kind of wanted to get right at the the tip of the downside and be able to break and then get your momentum up going into the like through the turn, basically like set up when you land and then and then carry speed through the turn. So it didn't seem like it was as tough. It was just more they were trying to time it, and maybe some guys came up short. I saw like five dudes. I'm not kidding you. Like like you said, JT, they overjumped the triple. Then they grab front brake to get to the right side, and they almost crash. They they got to get yeah. to the right side so bad, they're almost oh, yeah. crashing. You know. Yeah. Um. Hey, where do you think? I don't know if you got you guys didn't watch the TV show, but Ralph and Jeff were talking about Anderson's jersey always coming untucked. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, but where where did they get that from? It's been going on for years. Yeah, but where did they get that from? Those two people in the booth. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I mean, it literally has been going on for five years. Every single race is in. I mean, I would think anybody could figure it out at this point. Uh, okay, I just when when new when new things get brought up, I get shocked. I get amazed. So <laughs> okay. that's all. Um, all right, uh, BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this commercial by Racetech. Save yourself ten percent at Racetech using the code PulpMX2015. Get you some suspension work done. JT certainly knows the value of good suspension work. And uh, we'll be right back to talk about the 250 class. Thanks for listening to these podcasts, everybody. I appreciate it. This is Mathis. Hey, did you guys know that chances are the bike that's in your garage needs some sort of suspension work? I guarantee you, 74.3% of you listening to this either need your suspension oil changed, you need to get proper springs for your size or speed, or you need your bushings or your bushings are worn out or something is going on with your suspension. Don't neglect your suspension. Enjoy your ride. And the best way to do that is by sending it to the folks at Racetech. Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket uh, suspension mod company. They've been doing this stuff since for 30 years, people. They've been uh, in business. Of course, they've worked with some of the world's best riders. Right now, they're each setup and product is 100% guaranteed. They're made in the USA. Vince Freeze uses Racetech suspension to get third overall in uh, last year's 250 E-Series. Cody Gilmore, Jimmy Dakotas, they're all on uh, Racetech suspension. It's privateer proven. They've offered a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. They're high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for the rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. 
Pulp MX15 saves you 20% at Racetech, Racetech.com. Vintage stuff also available. Anything to do with suspension, these guys can do it. Trust me, tune up your ride. You need it because you know it's been sitting in the garage. You haven't serviced it for a long time. Just do it. Use the code. Save yourself money. Thanks to Racetech for supporting all these podcasts. Do it. Racetech. Do it. And we're back. BTOsports.com. RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Jason Thomas. Jason Wygant. Uh, Atlanta Supercross wrap-up. All right. 250 class. Um, let's hurry this thing up. I got stuff to do. Um, Martin. Martin, Martin, Martin. Great race, though. Um, very exciting race, Wygant. Oh, that was about as good as a race you could ever ask for. That's like the race that you think you're going to get at the beginning of every season. Um, this year's going to be so dynamic and wide open and crazy. That was literally it right there. The four guys that you know would be really good all were good and battled on the same night. Any one of them could have won it. It was great. Um, weird, though, JT. Like, Muskan got second, and that's a nice save by him. But, man, he was kind of off all day. He... You know, it just I yeah. Don't know. It's crazy that we say that, and he was the fastest qualifier, but he didn't look good. He made mistakes, like yeah. That- I, I completely agree with you uh, in that assessment. And and the heat race was just terrible with the start practice. He was kind of all over the place, even though he had some great laps in there. The main event, he I have never seen him make so many mistakes uh, yeah. well- as he did. Watching the All race, watching the race again, JT. Maybe you didn't see this, but he crashed on that first lap. He did, and yeah, he, yeah sorry, yeah. Yeah, he did. And I watched the crash happen. A guy tapped his rear wheel. Yeah, and high but side. but like yeah, he, like even the main event, he. I think there were two two laps where he never tripled on the end. What we right. were talking about, he he got sideways in the whoops a few times. Just very unlike the precise Marvin Muskin that we know. Yeah, I mean it was just it was an off day, and I think for him to. He kind of rebounded a little bit and regrouped in that main event, kind of fi- and came firing back there. Mm-hmm. So I think that said a lot because I, like we just said, I haven't seen him look that bad in a long time. So for him to be able to still get second, right? And he really wasn't too far off Jeremy Martin uh, for the win. That yeah. you know, you know, Pingree kind of fired off some tweets at us talking about how we're dumb and whatever, <laughs> but. It almost reinforced for me more that if he had that rough of a day and he was still right. second, yeah, they're gonna have a tough time with him over the whole series. I'm gonna. I got an issue with Ping's tweet attaching Jeremy yeah, come on, on man. attaching yeah, Jeremy on it, saying these three guys think that you know Marvin would win, but I picked you. Come on, Ping. Yeah. Come on. Well, he's he's still wondering how Millsaps is gonna do in the outdoors. But uh, Martin was impressive. Whatever I had heard, he was sick last week. So I said, hey, what was the deal last week? I interviewed him after the race. He's like, no, I was fine. I'm si- I was sick this week. I didn't ride much this week. But he goes, I had nothing nothing wrong with me in Dallas. He goes, just, you know, all the things that have happened in the past, not qualifying. I think it was in my head a little bit. And I just wanted to get through that race. So props to him for not, you know, there's some riders that, w- that would just take that. You know, oh, I heard you were sick. Oh, God, yeah. 130 degree fever. I was in bad strep throat. I was lucky to be alive. Ebola, the whole deal. Jeremy was like, no, no, not at all. So Yeah, just own it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, I just want to get through it, you know. And, and so maybe we'll see some some challenges from Jeremy here. Um, well, he was like a different guy. Yeah. I thought. I mean, he yeah. was aggressive. And I if if he is going to win this title, uh, you know, it's I think it's very apparent that he's capable now. You know, I had my doubts about whether 
he could just match those guys straight up in a battle like that, and he obviously proved he can. So uh, any doubts about whether he's going he's in this fight now are, I think, put to rest. But uh, very impressive ride. It was by far the best I've ever seen him ride a yeah. Supercross race. No, absolutely. Uh, Savachi won the heat, kind of didn't get the start in the main, and uh, that was all she kind of wrote there. Uh, Davalos, uh, just a terrible, terrible performance by Davalos. I mean, come on. You win the heat race. You're, you're you're the fastest guy in one of the practices. You lead for nine laps. You fade to fourth. Lemoyne all over him. Lucky Lemoyne made a big mistake. That that's uh, that. I mean, I, I don't. I, I give up. I had him for the win. He Davalos pulled a Davalos, right? Weege? That's that's all there is to say. It was. I don't want to go so far as to say horrible performance. He did finish fourth, but uh, dude. He led. I could not agree more. He, he, he led nine. Like he, he had a, probably a three to four second lead at one point. Led nine laps. It's just. It, I it, mean, it, you're making huge money. You're on a factory motorcycle, and then Martin says after the race, "I can take positives from this." Really? I just. I, I, I don't get. I, I don't get it. I've always been there for Martin. You, you are. You, you are. You guys know that. I've always been there for him. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is only the 15th, uh, no, sorry, the 150th time you've gone on this very rant. <laughs> it's just, I mean, come on, man. Like, seriously, you, now you've won races. He won two, right, last year? So he, he knows how to win. He knows how to win now. That's ridiculous. I think you're being yeah. a little bit harsh. Oh, I don't. He still got fourth, you know. Like, yeah, it wasn't, I, I mean, he led a long time. It wasn't like he got 12th. I just I don't think it was as bad. It wasn't great. He had I'm nine not laps. He was good or great. He had a four second lead for nine laps, and then he got yeah. Fourth. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. All right. Good job, Martin. All right. We'll move on. I, I just don't I mean, feel like it's the end of the world. Like you're making out. Well, it's not it the wasn't end of good. the world. I'm not, I'm not saying good or congratulations. I just think that you're you're not a huge Davos fan, and that's playing a part in this. When you lead, yeah, but I think Steve's not a huge Davalos fan because of this. Like this is right. This, this is what, but it still plays into the same fact. Happens all the time. Well, who write? Who writes him these checks? Who writes him these checks and says, ah, "I think you can do it." I, I mean, he's got uh, that. I, I think that was a terrible performance. After, oh. after we had thought that he had changed his spots and shown that he can win, he rode great last year, and then we got that. That was just poop. That was poop all over. And when he says, I can take positives from it, I'm like, what can – you should be so pissed on the podium. You should be like, this is unacceptable. I will get better next week. I'm not happy. Like Osborne did that one week. Osborne got the whole shot and then kind of didn't ride that well. And then on the podium, Osborne's like, I got to figure things out. This is unacceptable. I don't know what happened to me. Broken thumb or not. Whatever. Osborne was going on and on about it. That's what I want to see from Martin on the podium. Instead, he's like – yeah, things are good. I'm gonna take some positives from this. Like, oh. so we can count on him on the Pulp Mech show tomorrow. He's got an open forum anytime. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I just I don't know. Like, I would if I'm Bobby Hewitt, I'm like, really, guy? Because he's probably making good money. Well, um, could be worse. He could have rode around in fourth the whole time, but instead he led for nine laps. If you get a fourth place start, and you ride around in fourth. That's better than what we just saw. I don't think so. If you're a team owner and a sponsor, pretty sure it's better to lead for a long time on national television. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll just go with that way then. All right. 
Sure. Yeah, right. that's my honest opinion. Okay. That's better. So you would be high-fiving him come back, coming back to the truck? I never said that, but you're, you're being really, really hard I don't on think him so. right now. I don't think so. I, I can tell. Okay. Um, Weege, I think I'm off the Tonus bandwagon. Me too. <laughs> I almost feel guilty for having been on it, in uh, fact. I just bet... I bet Parabinos last week he's going to win a race. Oh, I, I don't like. I really, I almost feel like it was like when the, you know, like first day of school at the beginning of the year, like some new chick moves in or something, and you just get really like everyone's just on it, like fresh meat. Like, yeah, I don't know where that guy went. You could make a point what that the guy you could make a point that his first practice in Dallas, he's been worse every time he's hit the track since the very first practice in Dallas. Maybe not, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's very confusing. I was <clears throat> not questioning the pick, but I was certainly had like an eyebrow raise. Like, I wonder how this guy's going to do. Because mm-hmm. um, I said before, the, the yardstick of MX2 in uh, the GPs is just so hard to figure. It's just so hard to figure. If you're the second best guy, and he really was the second best guy in Hurlings last year, he would have won the title if Hurlings got hurt, and he didn't. He was way ahead of 68 in the points at that point. But. Second behind Hurlings. We don't know what that is. Some people say that everyone Hurlings beating is crap. Some people say that. They they're also, also huge Davos fans. Yes, they're also huge Davos fans. So anyway, my point is, I don't know. I didn't know how good he was. And I'm like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. And then after last week, I'm like, oh, it's going to work. And now I'm I, to, ah, I don't know. If yeah. I was impressed last week. You know, I mean, yeah, he fell. You know, when Davos fell, he kind of collected him up in that. Yeah, but he had he, 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 good speed and he looked smooth. And he, he looked did. comfortable. And, like, yeah, and like so. How can he get worse? Second Supercross. I mean, he, he qualified fourth. He came around at the end of the first lap in 21st. So he obviously fell. But then, I don't know. I guess he put a steady charge on to get up there. But yeah, maybe However, yeah. you guys have talked to him. He could go toe-to-toe with Moosegan for nicest guy to talk to. Oh, yeah? I went to go talk to him. I think he was gone. I, I couldn't find him. I don't really know what he looks like. It's kind of like back to the Shane McElrath thing. Um, <laughs> but there's no mechanics that look like him. They're all pretty distinguishable over at Pro Circuit, so I didn't see him. <laughs> Troy Lee is a team look. They have a, literally a team look. No, they do. You're Probably with HR relation. They're picking people by their way they look. You're with me on that. McElrath looks like two other dudes over there. I've always felt that certain teams, there was a time when DeCoster, Ray Tetherton, and, uh, and Ian Harrison all had the same exact hairstyle as Suzuki, and we're like, they've just become DeCoster. They just start <laughs> looking like DeCoster after a while. Right, right. JT, what else impressed you in the 250 class? Davos' first nine laps. Pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> I thought Vogel's ride was... If Not I was Davalos, if I was Davalos, I would give Bobby Hewitt my paycheck back. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Why don't you get? Why don't you ask him to give it to the people of Atlanta <laughs> to build the new dome? Very good. Bring this full circle. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, Bogle's ride kind of was weird to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to go backwards there, and he kind of did. So that I wasn't really sure. You know, you never know what's going on. Um, right mid-race or anything so not judging or anything it was just i didn't i didn't expect that 
But, I, you know, the, the race was so good at the front that I didn't really pay attention too much to what was going on behind that. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw LeMoyne kind of catch, catching up. I saw Savachi had some troubles on the first lap, and that kind of ruined his chances. But, mm-hmm. you know, those first four were really where the race was, and there just wasn't much to watch behind that. Unfortunately, that kind of stole the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I honestly don't know much, you know, other than – kind of the, the race for the lead. Uh, there was so much there and so much to think about and talk about, and those guys kept jumping out onto the start straightaway, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, Muskan did it. Um, Martin as well. Martin did it too. Yeah, it was cool to see. Yeah. Hey, um, JT, for fantasy supercross purposes, uh, what did Nick Gaines need to get? Uh, if he qualified, he was double points. Oh, he was. Okay, so he yeah, qualified. Yeah. So Dan Truman stuck it to you. That's basically um, what I actually beat Dan. Oh okay, yeah. Um, we no Dakota. We, I don't see any Dakota's flash this year. No, no, I'm surprised. And I, I mean, we've we've had our fun with uh, Dakota's on this show, not Davalos level, but um, uh, I did think that he was, from what I heard, you know, the fitness has never really been his strong point. He's even admitted that himself. Yeah, he has. I heard. Yeah, he was going to be better this year. Um. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I thought he'd be taking strides forward, but instead he's actually a little bit worse than he's, he's been. Cunningham didn't qualify, was putting on a hell of a charge, and then went down. The Cat didn't qualify. Kyle Peters qualified 31st and then made the main event. Good job by Peters to rebound from crappy practice. What's going on with the Cat? This is not a typical Cat. Cat. Cat should be, you know, maybe back you know, near top 10 on the mm-hmm. right night. And now he, he, I don't think he was fast enough to qualify last week. He got in, mm-hmm. but I think some dudes went down. And then this week, I don't get it. I don't get it. Reslin didn't qualify either. Rode off in the heat race. It was jacked up or something. So the cat is, um, put it this way. The cat is almost at the exact same bubble level of making the main in the 450 class three weeks ago than he is in 250 East. How's yeah. that possible? Yeah, it's a good point. Hey, you know, who's been solid. And no one will talk about him but us. Gannon Audet. Like, he's as privateer as privateer comes. He's riding for the legends and heroes. And no offense to Gannon, but he's neither. So, I mean, he made both mains easily. He's been riding well. He got 12th this weekend. I like Gannon Audet. He's a good kid. And uh, he's the guy kind of doing the most with the least help. And unless you want to put Oldenburg in there. But Oldenburg's got to ride, sort of, kind of. Um. Good job again on that. Yeah, you're well, well, for sure. Yeah. Also uh, is a main eventer, like just pretty good at putting the bike in the main. How about Zach Williams? I counted him out, and then he tweeted me, you should have had more faith in me. <laughs> I felt like crap. So, um, All right. Anything else? Are we done? Did we talk talked about Chad oh, Reed uh, and, and the dome you, enough? Let's talk, about the, uh, let's talk about the crowd a little bit. That was a... Uh, Oh. Everyone's wondering how this double Atlanta is going to work. That was not good. That was not good. Now, the press release says there was 50,000 people there. That's not true. <laughs> really? No, no, no shit. <laughs> Just putting that out there. <laughs> that is, a, uh, yeah. Um, they normally fudge those numbers. Then that's okay. I guess that's what they do in this business of promoting. But they really fudged them to say 50,000 were there. Should be interesting to see what they, I mean, maybe. They end up with the same amount of people next week, and it ends up, you know, when you combine the two weeks, it ends up being a pretty good, pretty good crowd count. Crowd count, but uh, 
Wow, JT, I was surprised. I don't know. I mean, we've been going to Atlanta a long time. Yeah, and, and I, I talk to a lot of people, um, you know, with my VIP th- uh, experience that I do and just friends from Florida and Georgia and all over, uh, you know, who's coming when and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people were just coming to the second one for whatever reason. So I'm kind of waiting to see, mm-hmm. um, you know, if they get – my realistic number for last weekend was in the – you know, 30s. 40 to low 40s. I would say 35, yeah, 30 to 35. I thought it was pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, it kind of filled in later. Like, I looked during the main events pretty closely because mm-hmm. I figured that's when everybody would be in their seats. And it was a little bit fuller. So, yeah, I would say somewhere around 40-ish, 42. Uh, so if they get that or better next weekend, you know, 80,000 people, 85,000 people, I think that's got to be a win. I just do. Um so, you know, we don't know their bottom line. We don't know how much it costs to keep the stadium. We're lucky to have here. them, though. We're lucky to have them. Well, you're lucky to have your show because of it. Right. Right. Uh, but, you know, I don't think they're going to lose any money. I just think it's, it hasn't gone over as well as I think maybe they hoped. I agree. They ha- they, you know, if, they, if they got yeah. 60 both weekends, which is, I think, their perfect dream scenario, right. it's not going to happen. Uh, we just, just, I don't think there's enough people. Tickets are too expensive. Can't afford hotels for two weekends. They want to go riding themselves. There's all these factors. Uh, we, j- so. we just stupid theory about Atlanta just may actually be true. It's not a stupid theory. It, it's legit. I, I know. I'm, I'm kidding. You know, people come from Atlanta for sure. Is part of the crowd is from Atlanta, but it's the first East Coast race, and it's Atlanta is warmer normally than where a lot of people live. Like again, I've said it over and over. I'll just repeat. I haven't heard it. If you're from Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, that's like we're going to Atlanta. That's just what you do. Mm-hmm. So they're pulling from those areas. But I don't. I wouldn't think any of those people are going to road trip twice. You know, two eight-hour road trips in back-to-back weekends. So they're going to pick one or the other. Right. And I, the weather was really bad in this area this week. Okay, relatively bad for me. I'm like, this is bad. But if you live in the South, well, you probably don't consider road trip weather. Hey, Yogi told um, me Yogi told me he's never seen it as cold as it was earlier in the week than the Supercross, and he's you know obviously Georgia resident his whole life. Well, on, thir- on Thursday the high was like twenty five. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, nine degrees in my house in Charlotte at, at night one of the weeks, and the, one of the nights. Was that when you had the car- just, Was that when you had the cardboard sleigh out? Cardboard sleigh came out. Okay. Yeah, cardboard right. sleigh with a with a scarf for a rope while okay. other kids had real. Just checking, sleigh. right? Just checking. Save myself twenty bucks. It's only going to be used one day a year. Okay. Um, the other parents seem to my be. My point able to is, do in it. the southeast, when you get a twenty-two degree day, you're done. You're not doing anything. <laughs> you're shutting down. You're, not you're freaking out, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. So, um, I also wonder. I bet you some people might even tie it in with Daytona, maybe. So the next weekend is a little bit better. Right. But uh, but still, the idea of the second one being bigger than the first seems. But even with all that, it seems weird that the second will be bigger than the first, right? Or the NASCAR race next weekend actually hurts. You know? I know. For sure we'll have some star power, I would think, right? Oh, yeah. NASCAR guys? Yeah, we already know. Yeah, they'll be we, there, but will people in the area, yeah, that's a... You would think that could make more people road trip, but I think in general people in the Atlanta area, it's just going to suck and dry, like... They're going NASCAR, and one thing we one thing we we forget since we never pay for our tickets. Yeah. Even if you did want to road trip down there and watch a NASCAR race and a Supercross, 
you're in for a lot of money. So that doesn't help either. I'll be getting my 30-minute interview with Jimmy Johnson probably next weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sometime in February. <laughs> probably next yeah. weekend. You'll all see. You'll both see. He, 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 wa- he wanted to wait till the season started when he would get a little less busy. Uh, uh, and then he'd be all the time he needs. Matt Lemoyne's been riding well. Good job by Matt. Anthony Rodriguez rode well. A-Rod rode well. Vince Freeze, JT. Vince Freeze. Uh, yeah, he's riding well. <laughs> that was we... a good battle, Freeze and Lemoyne. It was. I mean, they were close both of the main. Yeah. It came down to the last lap. I'm like, they're still on each other. Lemoyne had a nice gap, though, on Freeze at one point, and then he was making the right up the finish line because I was watching him because he was going to get Davalos, and I was going to lose my mind. But – he was he was he drifted wide up the face of the finish line, caught his foot peg on a tough block, and did a complete three sixty on the track. It was really weird, and then was stuck at the base and it had to like get going again. It was a weird deal. Like he did like a three sixty. I don't know up the face. I don't know. It was really weird. So, and then then the freeze closed in and got him, and because he couldn't jump the finish, and then it was on yep. from there. So, all right, everybody. Uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Atlanta won. Wrap up. Done. Um, so we'll see uh, We'll see what happens next weekend. Chad Reed, big winner. Series is getting good. Oh, wow. Dungey's got a one race lead now. So this is his title, right? It's uh, 30, 30, 31 points? No, 25. Oh, okay. Sorry. Trey was uh, uh, over Trey. Trey. Trey's in second. That's the key. Trey was telling me that everybody's had a bad race but Dunge, so it's bound to happen. And I know he has to say that because that's you know that's your mindset. Dunge doesn't really doesn't happen. Doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, no. Dunge does not have very often um, bad races. But, uh, I mean, if there's a pie, a title pie here, what percent would go to Dunge in winning this title? 70? Yeah, and I kind of um... – try to put it in terms that, you know, would make sense for other people. And I was having this discussion last night. The blame night. pie? The blame pie? Or? No, it was oh. just if there, were, if there was anyone in this field that you would not want to have a full race lead, who would it be? <laughs> cool. And I feel like Dungy's yeah. the guy you just don't want to give that to. Yeah. Maybe Chad, if he, you know, if, if all uh, things are equal, maybe he's a little bit younger. Least likely, filthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, filthy... Uh, Davos, Millsaps. Uh, I think there's a few guys. Right. Alessi. <laughs> if Mike had a 25-point lead, I wouldn't worry about it. I'm not, you know, I think you can reel him in. But what would go on while Mike was building that 25-point lead would be, like, five glorious weeks. Yeah. No, you're right, JT. The Dungeonator, the Diesel. Bad guy to have 25-point lead. But who knows, you know? Yeah. Yep. But Chad Reed won the race. I can't believe it. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, and we'll see you. Uh, we'll reconvene in Atlanta, too, this weekend. Sounds good. You got it. See you. See ya. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends. 
and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike, I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days. They're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years.